on the virtual Bible study tonight, we want to look at some pretty basic questions. We're going to talk with, about just the most elementary questions relative to God, our service to God, our eternal souls, what one must do to be saved, what, what to look forward to in eternity. We're just going to talk about the very most basic questions, and I really think they're the kind of questions all of us need the answers to and need to be able to answer to others. All right. There's going to be a good discussion of some basic questions, and we're going to get started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, May 23rd, 2019. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Kyle is behind the controls. Kyle, welcome. That's good to be. Glad that you're here, and we're glad that you're listening, and we look forward to you participating at 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Uh, you can also uh, sign in the chat window uh, to the bottom of your video uh, feed there and uh, chat with other listeners as they're filing in the chat room as we speak. Um, always encourage people to get a bumper sticker. We, we send out bumper stickers pretty regularly. Get a bumper sticker. If you don't have one, help us spread the news about the Virtual Bible Study. Like so, us and share us on Facebook because we, we, you can follow us on Facebook and you can like us and share us. Uh, on Facebook too, you can share. You can share our homepage at collegeview.com, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. You can you can actually, I think, do some sharing on YouTube uh, where we where we're hosting our videos now. So uh, help us get the word out. Yeah, help us get the word out. It's a better uh, study when we have more people participating, and so we would help. We appreciate your help in getting that accomplished. All right, uh, some pretty basic questions to talk about tonight. Uh, you sent those out earlier today. Earlier today to our update list, we sent out questions as we try to do every Thursday just before noon uh, to get you up to speed about what we're going to be discussing and ask for some feedback. We've got some feedback already. Look for more of that from you. Uh, I, I guess I can, these questions are so basic and simple, I'll read them off real quickly, and then we're going to just walk our way through them in our discussion tonight. Uh, remember to get on our update list if you're not. Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just say, add me to the list, and you'll be on that list, and you'll get our updates on Thursday. So here's the questions that we want to progress our way through tonight, and uh, we're looking for your feedback as well. Number one, what's the problem? Number two, why is sin such a big deal? Number three, why can't I just or, or can't I just do some good things to offset my sins? Number four, is there no hope then? Number five, you mean God is interested in even me? Number six, who is Jesus? Number seven, how does Jesus solve the problem of sin? Number eight, if Jesus died for all men, does that mean that all will be saved? Number nine, who then benefits from Jesus' death? 
Number 10, is that all I have to do, just believe in Jesus? Number 11, what does baptism have to do with it? Number 12, what happens next? Number 13, is there any other way to be saved? All right. Real basic, super basic questions. But really, I think everybody who's listening would have to agree, those are really vitally important questions as well. All right. And uh, very very important questions. And, you know, it's questions we ought to... We need to know the answer to it, it for our own benefit. We need to know the answer to these questions. Some of life's mo- most basic questions, perhaps maybe the most serious questions, though. And we need to know the answer to them for our own benefit. We also need to be able to share the answers with others because exactly. they need to know the answer. I think that's key. I, I don't think uh, to a lot of the people who are listening tonight, these are these are not new concepts, and. Very likely you know the answer, but I think we need to hone our skills in being able to present that sort of a progression to people who, who, to whom this would be totally unheard of stuff. There's a lot of people in the world today, sadly, who don't know even the very most basic things about God and eternity. And so we need to, we need to perfect our ability to reach out to those kind of people. So we're talking about basic questions on the program tonight. Why don't you, in the chat room, as we get to the question, you know, maybe just a quick one-verse reference on how you'd answer this question. That's right. That's what we're going to try. We're going to try to give, I mean, some of these questions, uh, you could go into them in great depth and detail. We're going to try to do it just, uh, you know, here, here's a quick answer. I think when we're trying to teach people, that's that's a it's not always the right uh, approach, but many times it's the right approach. Just you don't have to you don't have to give the whole load uh, the first time a person opens the door to to engage in a religious discussion. I think sometimes we're inclined to do that. Someone asks a simple question, and boy, we just we just throwing the 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 whole the whole Bible at them at once. And they're and they're not really ready to receive it. You know that that that's like trying to get a drink of water out of a fire hose almost. And and you you know so we we need to perfect our skill at giving appropriate answers and bringing people along to to the the point of understanding that where they need to be. All right. So the first question is gets right to the heart of the matter. What's the problem? Why, why, you know you're religious and you think other people should be religious. What's the problem? Why are you interested in this? So what? What? So the the very simple question: What's the problem? What's man's greatest problem? You know there are a lot of problems facing mankind. If you really stop to think about it, uh, world poverty, uh, incurable diseases, uh, war. There's a lot of wars and yeah. military activity. Yeah. We're made to believe that our environment uh, is is uh, you know about to be completely irrevocably irreversibly altered by man's activities. There's a lot of alarmism. I guess you would say there's a lot of alarmism in the world today. Doom and gloom. Doom and gloom. Uh, if you listen to the news, you get a, a pretty good dose of that every day. But none of that news reporting actually is discussing what is man's single greatest problem. And the single greatest problem that man has is sin. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All accountable people, and I think that's an obvious caveat in that verse, but all accountable people have this problem. There's not, in fact, there's no exception, Uh, you know, World poverty is a problem. 
But there are people who are not poverty-stricken. Disease, incurable diseases, that's a great problem, but not everybody has an incurable right. disease. Right. A war is a great problem, but not everybody is in a war zone. So there's some really big problems in the world, but they don't universally affect every individual. But the problem of sin affects every accountable individual. It's universal, and it is a problem that everyone must address in their life. Yeah. We got some emails, Jacob. We, uh, we got Dwight. Uh, he said sin is a problem. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Well, sin is a problem because it ex- is exactly what separates us from God. Yeah. And uh, another problem with sin is its deceptiveness. Many people deceive themselves into believing that they are in God's good grace, even though they have not repented. Okay. Um, Thank you, Dwight, for that. How about uh, Chris? Chris, our friend Chris in Georgia. We haven't heard from Chris in a good while. Chris, great to hear from you. Get on the well, I was box. in Atlanta earlier this week, and I feel sorry for Chris. It's <laughs> driving, horrendous. Driving through, driving through That's Atlanta. why we haven't heard from Chris. He's been stuck in traffic <laughs> yeah. since the last time we heard from him. Last time we heard from him, he was he was on I-65. 75. Uh, 75 he and just he, got off. He just, he just made it to the exit. <laughs> uh, but he, he just says simply the biggest problem is sin. All right. And then Kent said, sin is accountable, uh, humanity's ultimate problem, Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, and Romans 3, verse 23. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3, 23. Thank you, Kent. So that's the easy, simple answer. It's, it's, uh, it's a lot more, there's a lot more to, to say about that, but I guess our job is to get people awakened to the problem there's so many people in the world who do not see that this is the critical problem that they face yes absolutely Uh, daniel has sent in an email he says sin is the problem he references isaiah 59 uh, verses 1 and 2 and uh, that will actually segue us to the next question and that question is why is sin such a big deal well, Isaiah 59, verse 1 and 2 says that it separates us from God. Yeah. Um, and so the, the uh, uh, to, to be more specific, the second part of Isaiah 59, verse 2 is your iniquities have, have made a separation between you and your God. And, and the long-term outcome of that is Romans 6, verse 23, the wages of sin is death. So the problem is sin. It's a big deal because it separates us from God and it causes death. Yeah, and Daniel mentions that as the wages of sin is death, as, as why it's such a big deal. I got to see Daniel over the weekend down in Florida. I saw Jared there as well, and he's in the chat room. He says all have sinned, Romans 3, verse 23, the passages that we've noted. So we've got this universal problem. It is a big deal, and it's a big deal that everyone must deal with. Uh, 877-381-4567 is the number to call tonight if you'd like to join in on the discussion. Chris, in Atlanta, I mean, we're getting unanimous agreement on these answers, which is, I think, probably to be expected because they are very basic questions, and the answers uh, are straightforward. So you're not very controversial tonight. It's not not controversial, but again, you know, uh, what we're suggesting is maybe a way we could make a progression of argument to people who... Have no interest. Why do I it? need God in my life? Yeah. Well, you got a problem of sin, and sin causes death uh, and separation from God. Uh, Chris in Atlanta says it separates us from God. And uh, Kent in Georgia says because of its ultimate consequences. Romans six twenty three and Revelation twenty verses thirteen through fifteen. There's a good one. Talks about uh, the terrible consequences that come as a result of this sin in our life if it's not dealt with. Romans Revelation chapter twenty verses ten through th- uh, thirteen through fifteen. 
2013 through 15. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in it. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So there will be eternal consequences for failing uh, to deal with this universal problem of sin that we all have in our lives. And in the chat room tonight, Jared has referenced Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 4. And it says simply, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. All right, the soul so, that sinneth shall die. So that's, that's, the, that's the, the, the answer to that question. The problem is sin, and the reason it's such a big deal is because it separates us from God and it sets us up for, for eternal death in hell. Uh, we got to get people awakened to that and and realize the the severity of sin. Actually, you know, I think Jacob and, and we've mentioned this a number of times on the virtual Bible study. I think in the in the modern day religious world, there's been a defocusing, if that's the right word, on this problem. You know, so religious groups in general are addressing all sorts of things, social issues, and so forth. But there's very little discussion about sin and its consequences. And, and so, you know, I think people think maybe, well, you all are some kind of weirdos or fanatics for bringing that up. No, it's really what the Bible talks about. It's, it's the, the, the theme of the Bible is, it runs all the way through it. In the very first chapters of Genesis, man loses access to the tree of life because, because of, sin. of sin. The whole rest of the Bible describes how God brought to fruition a plan whereby man could regain access to the tree of life, which is in heaven. So, I mean, so that's what the Bible's all about. And if we're not emphasizing sin, its problem, and its solution, we're not, we're not talking about the right thing. You make a good point because discussing sin and what God says about it is not popular. And it makes people uncomfortable. And those who want to have the mega church or the big crowds and be popular they're not talking about sin they're yeah. talking about how you can just feel good yeah. as you are yeah they're not talking about sin and, and what a, a blight it is in people's lives it's a problem as we've seen a big problem that we all must deal with exactly right all right we need to get a break that's the next problem we need to deal with is our break we're gonna get a break and when we get back what's the next one we want to discuss well maybe i can just I know I've done some bad things. Maybe if I just do enough good things to offset the bad things I've done, maybe that'll take care of the problem. I'm, I got to do some bad things, but I'm I'm overall I'm a pretty good guy. And maybe my good will be more than enough to counterbalance the bad I do. Yeah, that may seem like a foreign concept to some, but that's really the way a lot of people think about things. Oh, sure. Exactly Let's right. look at what the scriptures say about that. Can I do enough good things to offset my sins and my bad things? Send us your comments during this break. Don't go anywhere. The Orchard Bible State continues right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks it. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the virtual Bible study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the Virtual Bible Study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. 
Here's some quotes worth pondering. Light is the task when many share the toil. Be honest with your children. Nobody spots a phony quicker than a child. If you want children to keep their feet on the ground, put some responsibility on their shoulders. Your children will become what you are, so be what you want them to be. Man, wish I'd said that. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Colossians 3:17. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight as we look at basic questions and uh, what the Scriptures teach about those basic questions, basic questions that we need to answer for ourselves, and we need to have answers prepared to discuss with others. We're looking at just basic Bible references. You might be taking notes at home uh, so you can familiarize yourself with these in the future. Basic Bible references that can help us answer these basic questions. Think about how you might use this to talk to somebody about their soul. Just start out by asking, what do you think the biggest problem you you face is? What's the biggest thing you're dealing with? What's the biggest problem in your life? And they may may mention a whole bunch of stuff. Finances. My kids. My car's broke down. Uh, Uh, How's the roof? uh, Yeah, I need a new roof. I do need a new roof on my house. Yeah, Uh, uh, But, you know, and then you say, well, actually, you know, those things are significant, but they don't hold a candle to what you really, what the big problem is sin. Yeah. And it separates you from God. Boy, that might just open a door right there. You know, sitting around the coffee table, talking yeah. across the back yeah. fence with your neighbor. Yeah. That might be a real door opener. You know, I'm looking at these verses. None of them require really a lot of explanation. They're straightforward. Exactly. You don't have to, like, be able to give a big dissertation on Don't have to know the Greek. Yeah, now that for all have sinned. Now, see what that means is you got to get that all there. Yeah, no, it's pretty simple. Okay, yeah. all right. So, and as you said, Jacob, some people have this idea. They might not word it this way, but they have the idea that maybe I can just do enough good things to offset the bad things I do. I'm not denying that I do some bad things. I, I sin. If you want to call it that, okay, I sin. But I think overall I'm a pretty good guy, and maybe my good will offset my bad. Uh, what about that? And we, we, you know, sort of like a balance scale. If the good is yeah. on, on this balance scale, if the good is equal to or greater than my bad, maybe God will be okay with me that way. Yeah. Uh, and the answer to that is absolutely no. Romans three verse twenty says, "By works of law, no flesh will be justified in His sight." Yeah. And basically, that's saying you can't earn your salvation. There's no way that that when you commit the first sin in your life, then you have you have no personal solution to that. You can't remedy it on your own. There's there's no way to get back from that once you've committed that first sin. There's a couple comments in the chat room tonight. Dwight down over in Iowa says, without repentance of the bad things in one's life, there's not enough good things one can do to make sin right. And so Dwight says, unless you repent. Of the bad things you've done, you can't do enough to over to counteract that. And then Jared in down in Georgia tonight references Luke 17 verse 7 through 10. Which of you having a servant plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he has come in from the field, come in at once and sat down to eat? But will not he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk, and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded of him? I think not. So likewise, you when you have done all those things which you have command are commanded, say. We are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. Right. And so Luke says, you, you, you even, know, you even if God, you could do everything, you, even if you could, you won't be earning anything. It won't be earning anything. You'd still yeah. be considered an unprofitable servant. All right. 
Chris in Atlanta says simply, uh, no, you can't offset your sins with good things you do because there must be an atonement, a payment for the sins that you've committed. So I might be doing a lot of good, but I haven't paid for the wrongs that I did do, so that won't work. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Kent, also in Georgia's references, a verse we already looked at, Isaiah 59 uh, that is, we we are separated. Our sins have separated us from God, uh, and so the good that you're doing is not remedying that separation. Okay. All right. All right. So then, next question. Well, if that's the case, is there just simply no hope? You know, you've painted a pretty black picture here. Okay. Everybody's got the problem. The problem will cause you to be lost eternally. And you can't just do enough good things. And, and to you fix can't the you, on your you own. Fix it. On your own, you can't fix it. Yeah, you got. You're, so, it's broken. You can't fix it. It's a hopeless situation. It's yep. pretty, as you, as you said, Jacob. It's a pretty bleak picture. But enter God's love into this equation. Okay. Ephesians two, beginning verse four. God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, or even when we were dead in our transgressions made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. Okay. So by God's grace, grace suggests something we don't deserve. God doing for us something we don't deserve. Uh, and he has given us the chance to be made alive spiritually. We were dead in sins. He gives us a chance to be made alive through his son, Jesus Christ. All right, in the chat room, do we have any hope? What verse would you use to reference that as we're looking at short verses for these basic Bible questions and questions about life here. What about, do we have hope? Dwight in Iowa says there is always hope while we have life. We have to be willing to humble ourselves, be obedient to God's word, and live the life he has spelled out for us in the scriptures. The Lord is not wanting any to perish, but to come to repentance. Hope is there. We need to be responsive to it with obedience to obtain it. Thank you, Dwight, for that comment tonight. Hey, uh, uh, let's see, Daniel in, uh, in an email says... God made it possible to be redeemed by his son. Wait a minute. I'm not getting all that. I'm going to expand my window here a little bit. Uh, and for uh, God made it possible for us to be redeemed by his son and for us to have a living hope, 1 Peter 1, verse 3. All so right. it's because of Jesus. All right. And then uh, Kent in the chat room says yes. He references John three sixteen and 17. No, you're on the wrong question. I think Kent, you're, we're looking at question four. Oh, here, sorry. Kent. He says, you no, know, there can be hope. He re- references Romans 5, 6 through 8. Uh, Romans 5, 6 through 8, the God uh, loved us when we were unlovable, uh, that Christ died for sinners. Uh, and so there is hope there. And then uh, Jared is in the chat room. He references John three sixteen and through 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And so, yes, there is hope. Thank you for that, uh, Jared, and for Kent. Okay, so. And did you get Chris? You uh, Chris just simply says, yes, there is hope. All right. There you Simple go. Simple answer. Get down to it. So, uh, again, we're trying to build a progression here, and I hope you can follow what we're doing. You got this problem. It's a really big problem because it separates you from God. You can't take care of it on your own. But God has made us have hope because he sent his son Jesus to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And so through what God's grace has provided, grace being what we didn't deserve, what God's grace has provided, we can have hope, even though the situation without that would be hopeless. All right. And so the next question is, uh, do you mean to tell me 
that God is personally interested in me? You know, a lot of people have trouble with that idea. Because you uh, painted a pretty black picture there yeah. that we have done, uh, and, and we've all done really bad things. And that's going to separate us from God, cause us to be lost eternally. There's hope, but that's, you know, I'm, I usually don't have very, you know, good things usually don't happen to me. Maybe somebody else, but God be interested in me, poor little miserable me. You gotta be kidding me. We already, uh, somebody, one of our responders already mentioned John 3.16, probably the best known verse in all the New Testament. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Well, that's fine. They talk about the world. There's just this big, general, vast concept. I'm talking about me individually. It's a little, it's it's one thing to say God loved the world, but does he does he actually care for me on a specific level? You know, there's what over seven billion people in the world now. Yep. Amazing, seven billion people. You cannot even fathom that. And I'm just I'm just an insignificant little blip on the radar screen. You mean God actually has care for me? Yeah. Well, the answer to that, of course, is yes. First Timothy two verse four says God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Not just the world in general, but every individual. God wants to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. First Timothy 2, verse 4. Yeah, all right. Kit says yes, and he references John three sixteen through 17. And Chris in Georgia says, this is what amazes me the most. The holy, powerful, almighty God loves me. I and all of us on this tiny planet are so valuable to God that he gave all for us. And it is amazing, as Chris mentioned there, that it's amazing that God would be concerned about us individually. And yet he is. He is concerned about us and has made uh, uh, salvation possible. Daniel, uh, in his email, mentions John 3.16, God's love of the world. But he also mentions Second Peter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but his long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. And so, pretty amazing. Uh, now, the, now the pendulum is swinging. We were, were painting that dark picture, but now the pendulum is swinging. It's starting to look a little better here. God loves me. God's provided a means for my redemption, a, a way to be saved from the consequence of my own sinfulness. There is hope. Um, now, uh, let's take one more aspect of this. Who is Jesus? What's this business about Jesus? We talked about God's made uh, an avenue for our escaping the consequences of our sin through his son, Jesus. Uh, who is this Jesus then? What, what, what do we know about that? Uh, what, what, should I, what, do I, what do I need to know about this? Who is Jesus anyway? All right. Uh, well, let's take a few comments from our listeners. Jesus Christ is the Son of the Living God, Kent says in Georgia. John 1, 1 through 4, and John 1, verse 14. John 1 talks about Jesus as being the Son of God and the creator of the world, God, and uh, that he came to this world. John 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And dropping down to verse 14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so Jesus is God, uh, the Son of God, who became 
came to the earth. Uh, lived as a man. Lived as a man. Died a sacrificial death. Bring, uh, bring light to the world. Bring us that hope. Yeah. Um, you know, again, that seems like a really fundamental thing that we, we take for granted that people would know that. There are people, and we're not talking about people off in some remote corner of the world. There are people right in our community who don't have any working knowledge about Jesus and about the proofs of his deity, about the reality of his existence, and about how he paid the atoning price for our sins. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 4, the, the evidence that Jesus actually is the Son of God. Romans 1, verse 4, he was declared to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. Uh, so that uh, that just very briefly touches the hem of the garment about evidences. But if, if anybody wants to investigate, there's all sort of evidence that Jesus Christ, not some mythological or fictional character, he is a real historic person. Uh, we can confirm Jesus' identity, not just from the Bible, but from secular sources. We know that there was a man named Jesus, and all the evidence points clearly to the inescapable conclusion that he was the divine Son of God. God sent his Son. There is hope. God wants me to be saved, and he sent his Son, Jesus, in order to affect that outcome, the solution to sin. Now, our next question is going to be, how does he do that? How does Jesus do that? We'll talk about that when we get back for this break. Jared in the chat room sending in comments for his wife, Angela, tonight, and he says that she references 1 Peter 5, verse 7, about God caring for us, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Uh, God cares for us individually, and that is an amazing thought, and he cares for us enough that he sent his son to... Uh, Daniel in the us. chat room says he is both Lord and Christ, uh, Acts 2, 36, and, and he references Peter's confession of Jesus to be the Son of God in Matthew 16, 16. All right. Well, but okay, oh, now, wait, 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 wait. just get this. Okay. Okay, Jesus, okay. I understand. I mean, I know you guys believe in Jesus, but what does that, how does that, how does that fix the problem of sin? You guys painted this dark picture about the problem of sin, and, and, but, and you, but now you're saying the, the God's gracious solution to sin involves Jesus. But how does that work anyway? We'll right. talk about that when we come We're back. talking about that when we get back. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this week's bullet point. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. No one likes to be put on the spot. We dread the possibility of being asked questions that we can't answer. This is especially true when the questions are about religion. Without a doubt, one of the biggest hindrances to spreading the gospel is this fear of being asked questions. Many Christians feel uneasy about their level of Bible knowledge. Thus, to avoid potentially embarrassing situations, they do their best to sidestep any discussion that might turn to religious themes. This is sad because it keeps us from many open doors for personal evangelism. Since no one has all the answers, it's important for us to know what to do when questions arise that stump us. Here are some suggestions. First, Realize and be ready to explain that there are simply some pieces of information that we do not have because God has not supplied them. Deuteronomy 29.29 says the secret things belong unto the Lord our God. But we still have all truth, according to John 16, verses 12 and 13. And we also have all things that pertain unto life and godliness, 2 Peter 1, verse 3. So every piece of essential information has been supplied. Second, when you do not know the answer, it's best to simply admit it. This is much better than trying to bluff your way through. Humbly say, I don't know, but do not fail to add, 
I'll find out and get back to you on that. Following this procedure will actually provide additional opportunities to teach. It keeps the door open to further discussions. Third, study. Study and study some more. You will feel less intimidated and more willing to engage in biblical discussions if you build your confidence level by increasing your Bible knowledge. Pay special attention to areas where you presently feel weak in knowledge and understanding. Be well prepared to deal with popular denominational errors. Be ready to explain issues that have divided brethren. And finally, never shy away from a chance to talk about God and His Word. The more you do this, the easier it will become. Every such conversation serves as an opportunity for you to sharpen your sword. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hi, my name is Hunter. I'm 11 years old, and I love listening to the virtual Bible study. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. And we're back on the program. Remind you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Find out more about the church by visiting that website where you can find out uh, directions to our meeting place, times of meeting. Also listen to uh, previous editions of the Virtual Bible Study, and you can also check out the link to our streaming uh, live streaming of our services. Where Kyle, you uh, you trim those down every week to where it's just the sermon uh, that's available for folks. That you do that pretty quickly after the, the yeah, service is over. To, yeah, try to get it uh, so when you can just click on a click on a link and click on a web or uh, the video on YouTube and just go straight to the sermon and go through the invitation song and then uh, just go to the next. We have Quite a few videos on there now. So Boy, they're adding up fast, aren't they, Kyle? Uh, Kyle's good, good yeah, job. Yeah, Kyle, that. so you got a library building there, and if you if you don't want to watch them, um, you know you can just listen to them in our podcast. You know, I got an email today from somebody I don't know, and I don't know where they were from. They said, "I'm interested in learning about the Bible. Can you help me?" Well, you know what? I I sent an email back. I said, "Check our archives. There's a lot of answers there, and if you know if there's something else you need to know, let us know." But you know, there's a, there's a real resource both on the virtual Bible study website and on collegeview.com website. There's an awful lot of answers there. And we're not saying that all the answers are there, but there's a lot of answers there. And if you need to know, you can probably find something there that's addressing a question that you're studying. If you have a specific question, though, we would appreciate an email sure, from you. Sure. And we can uh, we can either direct you to a program where we discuss that or we can just answer that directly. Yeah. Uh, so send us an email with any question or comment you might have. Questions at collegeview.com. All right. Okay, so, real quick, I'm going to run through this list again. Man's greatest problem is sin. It's a big deal because it separates us from God. I can't fix it on my own by any good things that I do, my own personal goodness. But there is hope, and God is interested in me and my salvation, and he sent his son Jesus to affect my salvation. So now the question is, how does Jesus solve this problem of sin? Well, he he solves it uh, as Daniel said in the chat or, or in his email. He said he was the ransom for our sins. First uh, Timothy two. He, he he references Romans three twenty four and twenty five. Matthew twenty verse twenty eight. First Timothy two verse six says simply Jesus gave himself a ransom for all. Think of a person who's in a maybe a kidnap victim. And and he and he's going to die. They're going to kill the, the kidnappers. Are going to kill this kidnap victim unless a ransom is paid. Yeah. And so the ransom is paid, and the, and the victim is released. He the the price has been paid, and now he's free from the danger. Now, that's a pretty good picture of what Jesus did for us. We were victims. We were we were in the grasp of sin, and 
the outcome of that was going to be eternal death, but Jesus paid the ransom for us. <clears throat> but God is a God of love, but he's also a God of justice. And so God's justice demands that sin be penalized. I need to pay the penalty for my own sin. I'm the sinner. But Jesus paid the penalty for me. Yep. He was a perfect man. And through the death of the of the perfect man, Jesus, and his shed blood on Calvary's cross, my penalty was paid by him. Jesus addresses sin that way. He solves the problem because he paid the price for us. All right. He paid the price for our salvation. Hebrews 2, verse 9 is what Kent signs in tonight. Hebrews 2, verse 9 uh, tells us uh, that... Um, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. He tasted death for us so that we don't have to. Not talking about physical death there, by the way, Jacob. And that, that yeah. probably needs to make that distinction. If we're talking to someone that's not real familiar with biblical terminology, there's spiritual death and there's physical death. We're, we're, facing, we're all facing physical death. It's the reality of living in this world. But we don't have to face eternal spiritual death, eternal separation from God because Jesus paid the price and jared in the chat room since in hebrews 9 verse 26 uh he then would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world but now once at the end of the ages he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself jesus put away sin by the sacrifice of himself um, and then he also references hebrews 10 verse 12 but man, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus is the sacrifice for our sins. Chris in Atlanta says simply he died to make atonement for our sins. That's how Jesus solves the problem. Now, okay, moving quickly forward then in this progression of questions, does that mean, therefore, that everybody's going to be saved? If Jesus died so that men could be saved, and God wants everybody to be saved, and he sent Jesus to remedy our sinful problem, his own, his own son, to, to solve the problem of sin. Does that mean because he died for all, does that mean all will be saved? Oh, well, now, now, as as you guys continue to unfold this situation, appears to me maybe I don't have to do anything. That sounds like it's all taken care of. God wants me to be saved. He sent Jesus. Jesus provided the solution to sin. Maybe that's a, maybe everybody maybe just everybody will be saved then. And actually, there are some religious groups who teach that doctrine. They are known as universalist. Uh, a good while back, we we interviewed a woman preacher for the Unitarian Universalist Church in Nashville, and her position was that that no one will be lost. There's there's no eternal damnation, but the Bible does not teach that. Uh, Jesus actually said it's actually going to be a minority of people who are going to be saved. Matthew 7, verse 13, Matthew 7, 13, Enter at the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it, for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. That's pretty straightforward. There's going to be few. It's not going to be everybody. It's going to be few. And I like the verse that uh, Kent references in his email as he answers, no, everyone will not be saved. Notice what he references, Hebrews 5, verse 9. Hebrews 5, verse 9, and having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. And so it is not universal. 
Jesus will save those who are obedient to him, that submit to him, that uh, name him as Lord, and that is inherent with the idea of obeying Jesus. Daniel, in his email, mentions that same verse, Hebrews 5, verse 9. And Jared, in the chat room, has mentioned Luke 13, uh, verses 23 and 24. He says, few will be saved. Luke 13, 23. If I can get my Bible open to that page, I'll read it. The Bible has it? I think it has, yeah. Uh, Jesus uh, once said to him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said unto them, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. So no, not everyone will be saved. Chris says simply, sadly, no. Many will perish. Few will be saved. Okay. All right. Well, then... Have we got time? Yeah, let's take one more question. Who benefits then? You said God sent Jesus and he provided a solution for sin. Uh, He died so that all could be saved, but not all are going to be saved. Who then is going to benefit from the death of Jesus on the cross of Calvary? If it's not all, who? And could it be me? Can I benefit from his death on the cross? What about that? Well, uh... We have an answer from Chris in Georgia. He says, all that obey Jesus and do what he says to do will benefit. And Kent says, those who obey the gospel of Christ, Romans 6, 3 through 7, and Romans 6, 17 and 18. Yeah, Romans 6, 17 specifically says, obey from the heart. Uh, Go back to the verse we've alluded to several times now, right? John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So, so no, it's not everybody, but it's those who truly believe in Jesus who are going to be spared from eternal death. Not everyone will be saved. Those who believe in Jesus will be spared. Now we've got to ask the question, what's, that, what's involved in that? What's involved in that? Uh, whosoever believes in him shall not perish, John 3.16 says. But what's involved in that? Okay. Because uh, is it just simply, uh, the, the, the question is, then is that all I have to do, just believe in Jesus? Let's talk about that when we get back from this break, and we'll run to the top of the hour with our final question. All right, so... It's clear from the scriptures that those who are going to be saved are those who believe in Jesus. Does that mean just that I acknowledge his existence? Jesus was he lived on earth. Do I just acknowledge that he was the Son of God? Do I just acknowledge that he died on the cross for my sins? Do I just acknowledge that he raised from the dead? Do I have to maybe acknowledge that he's coming again? Is that what it, this idea of believing is about? Uh, what do you think? Send in your comments in the chat room right now. We're taking a break and going to the top of the hour right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. I'm Dan Quillen, a member of the College of Church of Christ, with some thoughts about making plans. Have you made any different plans for your spiritual life and for your service for God? We spend time prioritizing personal lives and setting goals in our careers, but do we think in those terms about the most important thing, our soul? Ask yourself these questions. What am I planning to do for God today? In the coming week, what good thoughts will I accomplish for him? At this time next year, where do I want to be in my spiritual life? In five years from now, how will I have changed, improved, and grown in my work for God? Ten years from today, how will my family be? 
How will I have helped them grow spiritually? 20 years down the road, how will I be doing? As I approach death, what will have been the most important things in my life? Where will I be in eternity? We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Americans give to churches more than any other nonprofit organization. More than half of Americans, 54%, have given money to a church in the past year. Another 22% of Americans have given to a nonprofit other than a church. The remaining one quarter of Americans, 24%, have given to neither. Unsurprisingly, almost all practicing Christians, 94%, have given to a church. In fact, practicing Christians tend to be more generous overall than their secular counterparts. 96% of practicing Christians gave to a church or nonprofit compared to 60% among atheists and agnostics. That information is via the Barna Group. The Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 9, beginning verse 6, But this I say, He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. And we're back going to the top of the hour, looking at basic questions and answers from the Bible. Again, just quick Bible verses, verses that don't need a lot of explanation, that stand on their own. uh, And you can help uh, answer those questions for yourself and answer questions for others who may have them about these basic Bible questions. So Jesus, God sent Jesus. We, we talked about that. He wants me to be saved, and he sent Jesus. Uh, but that doesn't mean everybody's going to be saved. The ones who are going to be saved are the ones who believe in Jesus. Do you think about that? Actually, that that in itself eliminates a lot, a big percentage of the world's population who do not believe that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. I mean, you think about Muslims, you think about Hindus and Buddhists. You think about Jews. Uh, they, they don't accept the truth of Jesus as the only begotten, resurrected Son of God. So there's a, there's a huge area there where we need to be spreading that message that, that the solution to sin is through Jesus. And it, it involves believing in him. But what's, what does that belief encompass? Is, is it just simple acknowledgement? Is there more? Is, is, is all I have to do just believe in Jesus, just acknowledge him? Well, many people think so. Even among those who identify as Christians, there are a lot of people who who believe in a faith-only salvation, that all you have to do is acknowledge the reality of Jesus and you will be saved. That's a very popular religious doctrine. But when we look to the Scriptures, and that's all we're doing here, we're just referencing simple Bible verses tonight, the Bible shows that saving faith, the kind of faith that God has always required is a kind of faith that produces responsive, obedient action. It was that way all through the Old Testament. We could re- we could reference all kinds of examples from the Old Testament, but even in the New Testament, it's it's easily demonstrated that the kind of faith that saves us is the kind of faith that leads us in obedience. Uh, you know, there's a, we, we often refer to as a simple gospel plan of salvation, Jacob. You have to, conf- you have to, upon believing in Jesus, you have to confess him. Romans 10 verse 9, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So you have to confess that you have belief in Jesus. If you don't confess him, he won't confess us before the Father. Yeah, you, you have to repent, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish, Luke 13, 3. 
So the sins that I've been committing, I've got to stop committing, turn from, turn from sin, turn to God, and I have to be baptized. He that believeth and has been baptized shall be saved, Mark 16, verse 16. And we're going to talk a little bit more about baptism in a minute. But our point right here is, God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Whosoever believes in him does not need to perish. But that that kind of believing is the biblical kind of believing that provokes obedience. And without that, we haven't believed unto salvation if we are not obedient to the instructions of God. Angela references Matthew 20, 12, verse 50, when you remember the, the instance where Je- they came and told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are standing outside, and Jesus said, uh, who, whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister or, or mother. So Angela says, Jesus will consider us his brother or sister or mother if we do his will. And then Jared references Second Thessalonians 1, verse 8, and this is a good one. Jesus, when he comes again in taking flaming fire, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God, and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus is going to punish those who don't obey Him. I don't know how you get anywhere around that. It, it, just believe Him and do live any way you want. No, Jesus will punish those who don't obey Him. Daniel, in his email, references James 2.24. You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. That's pretty plain, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And then Kent, in his email, references John 1, verse 12, and he says, one cannot become what they already are. Faith gives one the power to become a Christian. Note also James 2.24 through 26, the same passage that was referenced there. And then John 1, verse 12 and as many as he received him, he gave them the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. And so uh, Jesus said, he, you believe in his name will uh, allow you to become children of God. Chris in Georgia says, a trap folks fall into is using John 3.16 to justify that all you have to do is believe on Jesus and you will be saved. The verse actually says that if you believe in him, you, uh, when you believe in someone, it means you completely trust them and what they say you should do. If Bill Belichick, I don't know if all of our listeners know Bill Belichick, he's the he's the uh, coach of the New England Patriots who have won Super Bowl after Super Bowl. Uh, Tom Brady is their famous quarterback. If Bill Belichick said I could be a great quarterback if I just believe in him, that doesn't mean I just acknowledge his wisdom and ability. I couldn't just walk out on the field and be the next Tom Brady. I would have to do what Belichick said I needed to do, become a great quarterback. I would have to train like he like he trains, etc. Only then would I be a great quarterback. We must do what we are told to do in order to be saved. And asking Jesus into your heart or saying a sinner's prayer is nowhere in the Bible. That's exactly right. So a lot of people say all you got to do is believe, but you also have to say this prayer. Well, the prayer is nowhere found in the Bible. And nowhere are we told that we need to ask Jesus into our heart. Those are man-made doctrines, man-made concepts that aren't in the Scriptures. And, by the way, they are more than just believing. And people have a big problem with, you say you need to do anything other than just believe, but, well, the sinner's prayer is more than just believing. But, Kyle, it's it's a purely fabricated doctrine that you can't read in the Scriptures anywhere. And yet people are trusting that for their salvation. Yeah, that's uh, what's called by leap of faith. That's, that's I don't know if that's, that's, that's not a leap. That's, uh, I think we should, you got to do what the Bible says. I mean, I, it, 
that'd be a that'd be a nice thing if it's just to utter some words and just to have your salvation assured. But the Bible gives us clear instructions on how we are to attain salvation and how we are to keep our salvation. So, but it's it, it, it but even at that, it's not like it's this insurmountable mountain. I, I was reading today about this is the time of year where people are ascending to the to the summit of. Mount Everest. No, a couple people have died just today. I think uh, really? trying to get to the summit. Of, is that what I got to do to go to heaven? I got to I got to climb the highest mountain in the world. You know, no, he hasn't made requirements. I mean, there there are obviously things to do. Obedience to submit to the will of God. My faith must provoke obedience. But the things he asked me to do are not impossible, not difficult, and actually are designed for my well being. All right. We've got a few minutes left if you'd like to call in to talk tonight. And we'd like we got time for your comments in the chat room. Okay. Our next question is, okay, what about this baptism thing? You guys just talked about baptism as a part of the things I must do. How does baptism have anything to do with me connecting to Jesus? Jesus is the answer to the problem. God provided him, and, and I've got to believe in him. But how does baptism have anything to do with connecting to Jesus? Chris in Atlanta answers it this way. It is where we contact the blood of Jesus, we put on Jesus in baptism. Yeah, and I, I agree with Chris, and I would throw in Romans 6, verse 3. Do you, know, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ have been baptized into his death? Notice the connection with baptism into the death of Jesus. Where, where did Jesus shed his blood in, in his death? We are baptized into Christ, and we've been baptized into his death. Baptism is the place where we actually come into contact spiritually with the atoning blood sacrifice of Jesus. And Kent, in his email, references three passages that are very important in this discussion. The first one we've referenced earlier tonight, Mark 16, verse 16, He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Jesus says it very clearly there. Those who are, who are saved are those who believe and are baptized. He also references Acts 2, verse 38. Peter said unto them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. They were told to repent and be baptized. And then he references 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21. The liar is also an antitype which now saves us baptism. Not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Baptism saves us. All right. Uh, Daniel, in his email, mentions two of those same verses, Mark 16, 16, and 1 Peter three twenty one. And there are a lot of verses. I mean, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, Mark 16, 16. Pretty plain. 1 Peter three twenty one. baptism doth now save us. I don't, I don't see how you get around that. And it's not and it's not like just some unconnected thing because we're saying that is where we actually contact the blood of Jesus uh, according to Romans 6, verse 3. And when it gets down to it, it's what Jesus said to do in Mark yeah. 16, verse 16. Yeah. And we've already read that those who don't obey, 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 8, is Jared, or 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 8, as Jared referenced earlier, he's going to take vengeance on those who don't obey. And so... Who would say, yeah, you know, Jesus, I believe you, I believe you, and I'm, and so I'm going to be saved, and then not do what Jesus said to do. No, to be saved, we've got to obey Jesus. Okay. So now what happens? After that, what happens next? What happens next? Um, 
Well, Chris says we are to be faithful till death. Um, Kent says one is added by the Lord to the one New Testament church, the body of those who have been saved, Acts 2, 47, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. Uh, so we're added to the church. We live faithfully. 2 Corinthians five fifteen says he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. So we, we live the rest of our life now. After we are baptized into Christ, we live the rest of our lives devoted to him, living for him, serving him. Uh, Colossians 3, beginning verse 1 says, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. So actually, baptism is not the end of the progression. It, it's actually a starting point. And we live the rest of our lives in service to the Lord. That's what Chris says. We are to live faithful to death. And then Dwight in the chat room says, be faithful if it includes death. Even if they're going to put you to death for your faith and your commitment to Christ, you be faithful to it all. And Kent in Georgia says, uh, one is added uh, by the Lord to the one true New Testament church, the body of those who've been saved, Acts 2, verse 46 or 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily, those who are saved. And, that, and 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13 for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, for all have been made to drink into one spirit. And so Kent says we're part of a church, the church now and, uh, and, and the commitments that go along with that. Daniel says uh, Rome, we are to live faithfully. Romans 6, verse 18, being made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. So we were serving sin. Now we serve righteousness. Now we, In other words, what, what's the guiding principle of our life? We live in for sin, we live in for righteousness. We become the servants of righteousness. All right. And finally, we just got time for this lesson. Is there any other way? Okay, you guys have described a way. Let me go through it real quick, Jacob. We got we have a universal problem of sin. It's a big deal because it separates us from God. I can't remedy it by any amount of good things I try to do on my own, but there is hope yep. because God loves me and he's personally interested in me. He sent Jesus Jesus is the solution to the problem of sin because he made the ransom payment, the atoning payment. He he took the penalty for us. That doesn't mean everybody's going to be saved. Only those who believe in him as the Bible says believe, and that faith provokes that that believing and faith must provoke obedience including baptism. But that's just the beginning place. I need to live the rest of my life in faithful service to the Lord. Oh, okay. I see that. I got that. You got any options? Any alternatives there that you know, that may be a little more involved than I yeah, want to go? You no, know, I was I was with you up to, through that uh, rest know, of my life part. thing. That and rest, that obedience that, thing. Yeah, and that rest of my life thing, especially. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I need Plan B. What's the Plan B? There's no other way. Acts four verse twelve. There, uh, there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Acts 4, verse 12. No other options. Uh, that's, that's what Chris in Atlanta said as well. No other way, Jesus. And, and Kent uh, references a really good verse, John 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And so there's no other way. Uh, and, and so it's kind of interesting. We talked about the man's universal problem, and actually we have described 
the only and universal solution to the problem. It's a problem that everyone has, and it's a solution that everyone needs. And we need to be submitting to it in our lives and being prepared to share that good news, the gospel, with others. Daniel, in his email, mentioned that same verse, Roman, or Acts 4, verse 12, and Galatians 1, verse 9. There's, you know, no other gospel. Uh, uh, Galatians 1, verse 9. Uh, Oh, let me get to if it. If anyone preaches uh, any other gospel. Yeah. If, uh, as, uh, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that that you have received, let him be accursed. All right. Thank you to all for who participated. Yeah. Some really good comments. Great comments. Very simple concepts. You know what's interesting, Jacob? Here we talk about the biggest problem in the world. And the answer to the biggest problem in the world is is addressed in the Bible in such terminology that a third or fourth grader could understand the answer. Yeah. Isn't that amazing that God has addressed this universal problem in a way that we can all easily understand and just do it? All right. Good discussion tonight. Uh, Kyle, uh, thoughts from you before we close? It's a good story. I think this is a question we have to be ready to answer. I think if somebody asks us, we need to have have these answers. And somebody doesn't believe these are some good questions. I think it's an excellent study. All right. Thank you for helping us get it out there tonight, Kyle. And, Dad, thank you for your time tonight. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you for joining us. Hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. I hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the Internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the Virtual Bible Study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.